although I understand that the reason why they would say this thing in the first place is because they want to build up our resilience. They want to make us stronger. But at the same time, at the same time, it it creates this culture where, you know, as you grow older, crying shouldn't be an option. Emoting shouldn't be an option. Hello listeners, welcome back to another episode of Listen to Me Love, where we hear stories behind the mask. I'm Kat. I'm Kay. And today we'll be joined by The Voice to talk about... The Voice, maybe you want to say what topic we're talking about today. Okay, Um. so the topic we're going to talk about today is It's Okay to Feel Not Okay. Yes, so that's the hashtag okay. So before we get into this, I just want to ask everyone, how has 2021 been so far? 2021 this year, it's just 15 days in and it's interesting, it's a journey. It's like a, it's like a copy paste, I don't really want to touch, I don't really want to say touch wood, but it's like a copy paste of 2020 for now-ish, I don't know. How has yours been? Don't say that. One has been okay. I mean, it's a bit more better. Maybe because we can cope better with what happened in 2020. Uh, What about our guest? What's, how has 2021 been? Um, so far, it has been okay, I guess. Because after 2020, there's literally no expectations whatsoever. Seeing how all the plans and everything else have derailed to the extent where it U-turns. So yeah, so I, I'm still alive. So I think it's okay. <laughs> bless you. God <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah, but 2020 was really a uh, like, some roller coaster ride. There were so many uncertainties. There were so many things that happened. Really, it, I, I mean, like to think about it, right? The whole world changed because of that one incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's so it's so unexpected from what I, from what I've experienced, from what I've learned. Twenty twenty is, it's not the year to get everything you want, you know. But it's about it's it's really a year to learn to appreciate everything you have. Um, I risked everything in 2020 to just like travel abroad, continue my studies. And then this shit just came up like so random. Well, oh well, we all survived. God bless. <laughs> Is it the same for you, voice? Like did the same thing, do you have the same experience as Kay? Um, for me, 2020 is just one word, uh, sucked. It really, really sucked. Um, it started out with, um, with a lot of ideas. Like, I remember I was sitting in, like, one of those mamaks, and I was talking to a group of friends, and we were saying, like, oh, what do we want to achieve this year? What resolutions we have? Because, you know, um, my group of friends and I, we, we're quite visionary, we're quite goal-driven, so we have a lot of plans for the entire mm-hmm. year. And 
we have never phantom or I personally has never phantom that um, this whole pandemic would happen. I've never phantom that there will be one day I will be locked in my own house and not being able to go out for such a long time. I mean, but, who could yeah. have thought about it? La? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think none of us, none of us would have phantom um, what was to come. And that itself was the beginning of like, of of a huge change and it brought mm -hmm. about a lot of um, challenges and mostly i would say is like mental challenges i would never ever mm -hmm. even imagine myself to go through that but i think it was necessary as well mm. it's such yeah. it's such an interesting year you know it's very interesting you know I, i'm actually holding a book that says like one question a day so basically, right, what I've written for like 2020, the resolution, what goal would you like to accomplish this year? And I actually answered, I would like to be more fit and muscular. I would like to travel around. I would like to manage my time, stay strong and reach for my dream and be productive. And that was like January the 1st. Travel around. Uh, travel around January the 1st, 2020. What a bummer. What a bummer this year has been. I would say that... Um... It has been a very, like I, like I mentioned earlier, it has been a very challenging year for me and it was mentally challenging because um, there's nothing physical that I could do about it, you know? Um, being trapped in my own four walls and not being able to go places, not being able to interact with people. Uh, I'm very trapped in my own mind but the thing is, the problem comes when, when you think that you're going through so tough of a time and you're struggling to cope, but you see the people around you and they seem to be able to cope so well. So, okay, mm -hmm. let's say, um, because I, I am a student, so let's say you, we are in the same class and... I'm here having my mental breakdown and everything, trying to um, keep up with class. And then you have friends who are like, they're, they're, they're like moving forward. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. you're like, oh my God, I, I can't do this. I, I need a break. And, but when you see other people moving forward with their life, um, still running their projects, uh, still surviving, the comparison starts. You know, you start comparing yourself and you start thinking like, why, why are they able to do this? Why can't I do this? I must be able to do this. Um, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, whatever I'm feeling, uh, whatever that I'm going through, um, I should be able to pull through. So instead of allowing myself to rest and take time to take care of myself, um, instead I have this mentality of I'm not good enough because of how I was feeling. So, so this all stems from comparison and it really took a toll on myself. But it became worse when I denied all my emotions. Yeah. So I was putting a lot of expectations on myself um, because of what I see from other people. I'm seeing everybody uh, still being on top of their game 
and because of the roles I was playing at the time, I was like, I should be able to do this. I should be able to do that. Um, I'm this role. I'm holding this position. I should be able to be. Um, uh, I should be able to improvise. I shouldn't be falling into this kind of mentality, you know. So I was beating myself up a lot, and mm-hmm. and like it was it was tough. It was tough. It was tough because I was in a bad space. And I wouldn't allow myself to think that I was in a bad place, so I kept saying things like, "Okay, um, I shouldn't be feeling sad. I shouldn't be, uh, feeling, um, I shouldn't be feeling terrible. I need to pull through. I need to pull this through. It's okay. I can pull through this." But actually, I was in a very very dark place. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for like telling us that you are feeling this way. I mean, like right now in this space. Do you guys know about LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this post. I you know like if in LinkedIn, right? So the voice. I'm not sure whether you know about LinkedIn, but it's like this social where everyone will only post on their accomplishments and like oh today I got a set in this today I took this course today I did, did this did this and it's uh I mean if they actually do it then I'm like you know congratulations to you but uh-huh. a lot of people try to keep up that bitch and then every time I look at it I feel so overwhelmed because I'm like how are these people doing this despite the pandemic and there was mm-hmm. this post um or on Twitter, you know, like the ones that are more real, like social media that's more real. They wrote that, um, you know, like a lot of people say that, oh, um, use this pandemic to work on your hobbies, to, you know, go to the gym. Okay, wait, no, maybe not go to the gym. To work out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But honestly, like, we are all going through a pandemic. So honestly, the fact that you can, you're able to study, the fact that you're able to um do like normal daily activities is already an accomplishment and i feel a lot of people don't uh, appreciate that enough because like what uh, the voice said that we have we tend to compare especially mm. when it comes to uh, what we see maybe like your friends maybe in social media and then we tend to be like oh no i have to be like them they got their game up i should have it too I could I could relate more towards I could relate more towards this content because I came back to Malaysia during the MCO, and obviously the ones in Japan. Not to say the rules are not strict, but then they are allowed to move out. So a lot of my friends are actually accomplishing something, and I'm here stuck in a hotel. You know, uh, for fourteen days doing nothing, doing HIIT. <laughs> training, jumping all around. I try to try to keep myself busy, you know. Hence, I went into a, a zone where I believe everything is okay. Everything is gonna be okay, you know. Nothing's nothing's bad gonna happen. I give. I, it's not to say a false positivity or anything, but it's like, okay, life just go on. Okay, we're gonna mention about this word okay, but. Um, the voice. Why did you choose hashtag okay? I'm quite curious about that. Well, um, I I like how you mentioned um, 
toxic positivity and just now because like I felt like that was what I was putting myself through. Um, so a little bit, a little bit about myself. I, I, I'm this mental health advocate. I like to advocate for mental health. Um, I'm all in about self care and everything. So, but then self care is supposed to help us, right? It's supposed to help us to be more compassionate about myself, and um help us to get through tough times. But the thing is, because I was denying how I was actually feeling, so I was denying the root problem, and I was so focused on trying to be okay. You know, I was, instead of trying to just um, acknowledging how I feel or what I was going through or just taking time to try and understand my situation, I was trying to fix my problem. So it was like trying to put balm on on um, on a cancer. It doesn't work. But I was so fixated on trying to fix myself. Yeah, I was so fixated on trying to fix myself, trying to live a normal life. Because um, for three months, for the first three months of MCO, I, I experienced this really bad burned out. So I was really determined to get out of it instead of recognizing a root problem so instead yeah so instead of really taking time to understand what i'm going through what's happening internally what actually caused this mental burnout in the first place i was more focused on trying to get out mm. and and because of that i would say that i didn't allow myself to be not okay I was very uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I, I rejected the idea of being not okay. I just want to be okay. I want to be functional. I want to be like on par with my other friends. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to be liked by others. I want to be productive and all that. So I, I really want to get onto that level um, without actually addressing the root problem. Until, um, until one... And there are many incidents where it reminded me to take a pause, but there is this one particular incident that really, really stuck in my mind. So um, in one of my lecture classes, I was, um, uh, the lecturer was checking my proposal for a project and she was questioning me about my budgeting so a little bit about my proposal is that it's kind of like a film proposal and where filmmakers use this proposal to pitch to investors so being like only a university student who has no never has any experience in actually producing a film i have no concept of the rate cards, how many people, the scale of anything. Like, literally, I have no concept of anything. The rentals, the, the little details about little things. So the lecturer was questioning me of where I get this amount. Why am I putting this amount as the budget? And I couldn't answer her. And no. it was, yeah, it was in a, it was in an online class in front of, unquote in front of all my classmates and I remember telling myself that 
during that experience, I remember telling myself that I have to say, I have to keep smiling. I mustn't break down. Even though when I was feeling so, I was feeling, I was feeling so petrified and terrified and like, I was feeling dead inside. I was scared because even though she's a really wonderful lecturer, she is, but she was very strict. She was very particular about these little details and I couldn't answer her. And it was so embarrassing, you know, but I didn't allow myself to feel embarrassed. I didn't allow myself to feel humiliated because I, I really did. And, you know, to be, to be called out in front of your classmate and not being able to answer the question, it, it's very unpleasant. It's very unpleasant. It's very scary. And especially in a time where you, you so desperately want to be productive, be better, be functional, and um, um, so want to be liked by other people. And you know, it's you're putting, all the right. Yeah, it is. So like, you have all these expectations on yourself, and then this happens, I feel like it literally felt like I was trying to hold up a crumbling wall. and But I didn't allow myself to acknowledge that. So as this online conversation was going, uh, the online with my lecturer, I was also on the site texting my friend about it. Okay. And then after the whole thing, I told my friend, oh my God, that was such, like, that was such an experience. Like, that was such a terrible experience. And instead of trying to comfort me, my friend, my friend was like, there, there, it's over now, time to move on. And... Being in that mental state, I was like, yes, it's time to move on. It's over now. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. But the problem is that that experience itself was so significant, was so paramount. Yeah, how can you just like, how can you just tell yourself, like, just forget about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. But I, I, it did never occur to my mind that um, I was in that state. Until after a few days, I was speaking to my counsellor and I told her about this incident and she, she, instead she responded with empathy. She said, I'm really sorry um, that happened to you. Process. Yes, it, she said, I'm, I'm very sorry it happened to you. Um, it was a very unpleasant experience. It, it's... Yeah, it's definitely really felt very bad to be in that position. If it was me, I would have crumbled too. And that sentence, like, it woke something in me. It made me realize how heavy this weight actually is. Like, how much the magnitude of it that it impacted me. And that was when I started crying. So the fact that I was holding on to this, Years and I wouldn't allow myself to emote for so long was terrible. And being being a, a person who is very into performing arts and arts and ex artistic expression and everything, I realized that because of not allowing myself to feel bad, not allowing myself to um, feel all this negative emotion, to cry even, to feel the pain, was the reason why I lost myself in the first place. 
was the reason why I lost my own voice in the first place. And yeah, after that, after that conversation with my counsellor, I, I took the afternoon off, even though I had like pending assignments. I took the afternoon off and I just cried. I cried in bed. I was crying so bad because, because you, you know, you finally allow yourself to feel how bad it was. You finally allow yourself to admit that, shit, that was, that was an intense experience. That was an intense experience. And I have every reason and every right to, to feel the pain and to cry. So, and that experience made me realize that, you know, it's really okay to be, to feel not okay. It's really okay to be in a mess. And it's very hard for us to come to a place where we can admit that we are not okay because of expectations, because of the roles we're holding. We feel like, okay, we're standing in front of a, a bunch of people, we shouldn't cry because crying is is a sign of weakness. And Yeah, you consider weak to cry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, which, which brings about this idea that uh, if you emote, it shows that you're weak. And I think subconsciously I was holding on to that idea, even though like I'm here saying mental health, be kind to yourself, everything. <laughs> but I was anything but kind to myself. And by that I mean I wouldn't yeah, and by that I mean I wouldn't allow myself to feel bad, to feel the emotions that I needed to feel. And I noticed this pattern along, uh, among my friends as well, where um, I have a few friends who are like overachievers. They're like super, uh, super high achievers. You know, they, they don't stop. They literally don't stop. And so all the gung-ho people. Yeah, the gung-ho people. So it's like, you see how gung-ho they are. You see how resilient they are. You feel compelled to be like them. You feel compelled to deny all your emotions and and here we forgot that actually two of us are very different people just because yeah. yeah just because my friend can do it doesn't mean i can do it and doesn't mean i have to do it i have to be able to do it but because being her friend right i also understand that she has the tendency to push down her emotions as well and then I have another friend who wouldn't allow himself to rest because resting is guilty. And I start noticing this this pattern among among the people around us. Like, you know, resting is is bad. Resting is lazy. Um feeling tired. You shouldn't feel tired. You should be resilient. You should move through. Yeah, you should push through. You shouldn't take a break. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a very relatable content, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's actually, I don't know what to say. I feel like this is, this has do come you, to a point where, yeah. Do you know why, why do you, do you think that's, um, do you roughly know why we all are like this? <laughs> like, what does it actually come from? Do you think it's culture? Uh, I have two assumptions. Uh, number one 
is that you know how when we grow up, people always say big girls don't cry, big boys don't cry. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Okay, okay. So, yeah, sing so, the song. Big <laughs> yeah. girls don't cry. Oh, oh wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as we are growing up, and as we are slowly, yeah, as we're growing up. Our parents, our grandparents, our teachers will start saying things like, "Oh, you sh- um, don't cry over small little things." Mm-hmm. You know, when we first, when we were one years old, we cut our fingers. We cry, "Oh, that's okay. They're still small." But when you're five years old and you cut your finger, when you're ten years old, you cut your finger and you cry, and then people look at you like, "You baby." Oh, I still remember. Oh yeah, yeah. I still remember when I was young. If I cry, and then they will say, "How you cry, lah? Little monster come catch you." You know that kind of thing. Like why the like? I just want to cry. Yeah. So, I, I although I understand that the reason why they would say this thing in the first place is because they want to build up our resilience. They want to make us stronger. But at the same time, at the same time, it. It creates this culture where you know, as you grow older, crying shouldn't be an option. Emoting shouldn't be an option. You shouldn't be emoting. You shouldn't be acting on your feelings. You should push them down and deny them and not cry. No matter how hard it is, you shouldn't cry. So I think that um, conditioned this culture. And then the other reason why I would think that this happens is because of again social expectations. You know, you you think that you're in this large crowd. You think that you should know this, but you don't. But you still shouldn't cry because you know crying is weak, so you mustn't cry. And if you cry in front of people, you should say sorry because you just cost um you just cost them like. Like they just freaked out and just scared them or something. I remember how um, like in classes when I was in high school, if if a person cries, and especially even if it's a male, if it's a boy, they cry, right? They either get teased or um, people around them they don't really know what to do. Oh my God. Yeah. Hey, this is this is this is very common from being a guy's point of view. They even call you like a pondan for like you're you're so sissy for crying and all this stuff, you know. Yeah. Apparently being a man it's like literally being a man, so a strong figure. So if you're if you're gonna break down and hence everything just falls apart. So it's it's a pressure from our side also from the male side. That's why we were like, it's it's a taboo thing to talk about male crying, you know. So but, yeah, go go ahead, boys. <laughs> Sorry for jumping in. No, I I completely agree with that. I have seen, uh, I have witnessed in my high school, mostly in my high school. I don't know why guys don't really emote, or maybe they're just really happy in university. I don't know, but um, in 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 high school, yeah, in high school, if you tear up, your guy friends will start. Laughing at you, and it's very unpleasant. And then the people around you would be so confused, like, "Oh, what do I do now?" But if it's a girl, the the ladies, her lady friends, would come over and start comforting her. But if it's a guy, it's totally different. And in this, in this, yeah, in, in this, but in this topic right now, 
the fact that you know crying the fact that you know you're not allowed to cry and how people say with uh how how film industry they always say like uh girls uh actresses you need to cry but you need to cry pretty oh and and then yeah and then there's this song there's this lyrics from a song that goes um i cannot cry pretty and which which creates which adds up to this stigma of crying and emoting you know like crying is not pretty crying shouldn't be pretty crying is ugly and uh, crying is not something that should be seen in public you know you should you should hide in in your own closet and and don't come out until you are okay which is mm-hmm. which which is actually really sad i mean it's i really understand <laughs> yeah. i will understand mm-hmm. if you say you need your individual space to sort out your emotions so you you walk away that's totally fine but sometimes the world doesn't know how to react when a person cries and i think that itself created this stigma for us individuals that because mm-hmm. we think that other people shouldn't cry so we shouldn't cry as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah so after going through my um after going through my experience and how i put myself through the same thing that i i told people to not do i was like okay you know what it's totally okay to feel not okay it's totally okay to feel very painful about certain things mm-hmm. it's totally okay there's always a space for anger there's always a space for sadness for tears just as there is a space for happiness and enjoy i mean if you think about it, if you're happy and like joyful 24/7 then it's you're not human what what's that you're like some happy robot or like some crazy no but then again there's there's another theory that i would like to just talk about it's just like if you want if you want to take care of other people you cannot show the vulnerable side of you you know you, if you get like you have to be strong to take care of other people you know but why why take that responsibility why is it not like a give and take thing why is it only you taking care of like you know the world and not like each it's a, i think it's just a human thing you know it's like you don't want to portray that you're too you're weak because if you consider yourself weak how can you take care of other people but then again If you can't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of other people? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, so at sometimes it's it's important. It's not it's not a bad thing to be selfish for yourself at some time. Take care of yourself. Yeah, you know. Anything the voice? <laughs> yeah, I I would agree with that. I think you know my counselor actually told me to be more graceful. towards myself and i couldn't and i didn't comprehend i couldn't comprehend what she said what she means and then um until i i allowed myself to cry that day mm-hmm. and okay. then i realized yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah i i think this is an important conversation to have and it can definitely branch out to uh social gender expectations as well like for example 
if women can cry, men can cry, but women have to cry pretty. But when you say women have to cry pretty, we're fighting to say cry, crying is ugly. But then mm-hmm. again, the fact that we're putting so much um, meaning onto crying makes crying uh, a, a negative thing. But I think we need to break that that kind of a social paradigm and mm-hmm. invite people to emote more. Because, like, having emotions is a part of, um, is a part of being human. And the, the older generation didn't understand that. It's like, it's like you're born with this human body, and then you're born with, with an arm, but you're saying that you shouldn't use this arm. Never ever use this arm, even if it has muscles, even if it twitches sometimes, you should ignore it. You should just, like, Close your eyes and not the look arm, at it. The arm is ugly. Ugly arm. Don't, don't use the arm. Ugly arm. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and it's easy to visualize when it's a human body. And it's easy to say that I need to go and see a doctor because my arm is in pain. Because my neck is in pain. I need to go and do like facial therapy. But it takes a huge, huge amount, huge step for people to say, I need to go and see a counselor. I think... I'm in a very bad state. I think I'm struggling mentally. Because, because there, there's this huge stigma on, on feeling emotions. Yeah. yeah. So I think this is a really important conversation to keep going. How do you think we can, you know, start that? Like, just how you said that uh, we should encourage people to emote more. How do you think we can do that? Do you um, Well... First, I think that having, because recently I'm seeing a lot of uh, mental health, social influences online, and a lot more people are talking about mental health. I think that is the first step into doing it. Mm-hmm. Although I also feel like, um, like mental health uh, influencers would need to point out that you know. Having mental health education does not mean that you have to be positive every time. It, yeah, it's because it's like people feel like you have to be either positive or normal, and anything below normal is yeah, it's inhuman. And we need to normalize that you know, being positive, being okay means being not okay as well. So so yeah, I think I think how mental health education started was to make people feel happy at first, and it's really nice to see how there's more um, there's more proper mental health uh, teachers out there, uh, key what was that word opinion leaders out there who's yeah. bringing out yeah who's allowing people to just rant. Like this platform over here, just just rant, you know, just feel bad, just feel angry. Okay, okay. Like there is Thank definitely you. space. Yeah, just because you feel angry doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're normal. I mean, that guy took the last piece of sandwich that I was aiming for and I'm hungry as hell. How can I not be angry, you know? So yeah. it's very <laughs> to be angry, yeah. But all these negative emotions is is very is always associated to being a bad person, yeah. 
And I've always heard that, uh, you know, if you suppress these emotions, it will come back, like it will boomerang back to you worse, hit you harder, right? So for example, if we use your sandwich case, so let's say you're like, okay, it's okay, I'm, I'm a positive person. I'm like happy 24-7, I'm the happy guy. I'm not going to be angry with the fact that he took my sandwich. But I think maybe like a week after that, this person's going to burst and probably shout something about something that happened like a week ago, you know? So it's actually better. The, the other person won't even remember the sandwich. And then you're here like angry about it. So I think it's always important to, you know, make, I think at most is like at the end of the day, that's when usually people do reflection, you know, like how did my day go and stuff like that. Um, but, and I also think that it's the same when it comes to conflict resolution. So for example, if I'm angry at UK, I like mm -hmm. either like as soon as possible or at the end of the day and not like, you know, hold it up for so long. I guess you have to just address it at that moment. Yeah, yeah. If you keep pushing and pushing and pushing, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass, you know? <laughs> yeah. It'll, it'll build up. The whole thing will build up. And from my side also, if you're angry at me, certainly I'll be angry at you. And I'll be like overthinking things. So basically it'll build up, it'll get worse. And it's best if you can address it at that moment itself, you know? Yeah. And sometimes, um, what did I want to say? Oh yeah, yeah. So, so if you address it at the moment, right, I understand, like, you know, we were saying as if it's like, oh, immediately addressing it. I understand if you, if like people want some space to, you know, think about it first, like maybe why am I angry and stuff like that. But they have to come back and address the issue. I think that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. like, that's why passive aggressiveness doesn't work, guys. Don't do that. It's not a miracle. Like, like for example, if, like, for example, voice, if I took your sandwich, right, and then you get all angry, but, but you don't show it, you just like, maybe you say things like, Okay, so I'm hungry. Don't know where my sandwich went and this kind of things. It doesn't work. I feel like it's one of the worst methods of communication, honestly. Mm -hmm, definitely. And it all stepping back to that fear of feeling so-called negative emotions. Yeah, I think this whole passive-aggressive thing is also very dangerous and I also experienced it firsthand myself. Back when I was in high school, I was in this friendship with this this uh, bestie of mine and I was, I, I, it had come to a point where I felt very uncomfortable of how she acted and how she's treating me but I wasn't able to communicate that and then I just keep, you know, pushing it down um, and well, I wasn't ignoring it. I was, I did know that I was feeling bad about it, but I just didn't want to address it. And it came out as jealousy. It came out as something even, even worse, even uglier. It's, it's like, it, it's like, it's like you become a different person because of all this pent up emotions and everything. And as you were talking about passive aggressiveness, it kind of reminded me of something which this may be a little bit off topic, but you know, you know how old 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 women they are more passive aggressive. Um, I'm not sure in in your cultures, but in my culture, like old women are more passive aggressive, because okay. <laughs> because in in the olden days, right, 
um, in the olden days when men is supposed to be manly, supposed to take care of everything, women is supposed to be submissive. So they're not supposed to speak their mind. So the fact that they're not supposed to speak their mind, which means they have to be agreeable to everything that their husband do or agreeable to everything that's happening to them. And you know how unfair they're being treated in, in those olden days, right? And they, they, they don't know, they don't have an outlet. That's why, that's where all this passive aggressiveness come from because they have to be nice, but I don't want to be nice to you. So I'm just going to poke you somewhere and make you annoyed and all that. So yeah, <laughs> this is one of the reasons why it, it, it develops as well. But that's yeah, fun fact. Mm -hmm. It makes sense, it makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. It's more towards like um, whatever you're feeling at that moment is actually valid. But take time to breathe, take time to reflect, and then you come back and address the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So we're nearing the end of the episode, really. And uh, you've been a wonderful uh, guest voice, but of course, like with all the stories, I thought it was very it was actually really inspiring like you went on and on and it was really nice to see that you finally come to realize it because you said that that like last year was your enlightenment you know period where you finally knew that uh, it's okay to not be okay is there anything that you would like to share to the audience uh, regarding this maybe like a short wrap up or like a short sentence yeah mm -hmm. I would say that um, I think one of the biggest lessons that I want to share to everyone who is listening um, is that sometimes the greatest self-love that you can give to yourself is to admit that, yes, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a lot of emotions right now. I'm not doing really well. I'm, I'm in pain. I'm worried, I'm anxious, I'm scared, I'm afraid, um, I'm lost, I don't know what to do. And that's okay. You know? Yeah, that's okay. That you're lost. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice, that's nice. Thank you so much for sharing the voice. It's it's quite it's quite a deep topic actually. And if I if I've never, you know, if I'm just like silent the whole time, it's just because I went into my zone, my deep into it, trying to reflect of what I did um, and what I felt. And yeah, it is certainly okay not to be okay. So thank you for sharing that. And that's about it. That's a wrap up. Uh, please follow us for our future episodes. Uh, follow Kat, follow Kay, and follow Listen to Mila. Thank you and let's tune in next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.